You're listening to The Esoterics Podcast. Esoterics podcast. How you doing, Joe? Hi, I'm doing really good this week. Um, it was a good day. Um, well, it's been a good day so far, and it's gonna keep being a good day. And a great weekend. What about you? I spent part of this morning gardening, and most of my weekend gardening. Oh, you did. You're working in your garden, yeah. or, or is it coming about? What's happening? You know, right? It's mostly cleanup, and I'm like, is this what gardening yeah. is? But I guess that's what it is. <laughs> I've, have you have you sat down to talk to Ashley yet? You need to. Pick I her know. Brain. I I need to. Well, once I get there, I'm not. I'm I'm not even planting things yet. I am just removing. I am just cleaning up leaves for days, um, which I've heard that or I've seen videos of people who are like planting their vegetables and stuff, and they actually use that that leaf matter stuff to put on top as like mulch it's like the best mulch you can use yeah so i'm bagging this stuff up but i'm also thinking i'm like but i don't want to hold on to it i feel like i have an endless right. supply so at what point yeah so a- anyway yeah it's just it's just work and then you have to get it done early in the morning because it's like a hundred and it's been like 105 the last couple of days here so yeah you i've got to i've got to get uh, get it done while I still have shade in the morning, and then once it hits like ten ten thirty, I'm I'm done because it's too hot. You're done, and then you go inside. Do you typically enjoy gardening? You know, this is other than high school because I was the landscape manager in high school. Other than that, this is the first time I've done it. Like on where I've have to or I've been in charge of yeah so do I enjoy it yes I do I do enjoy it I think you get to this point where you start like you're digging things or you're pulling weeds or whatever and you kind of zen out like it's like a weird Mm -hmm. meditation thing where you stop thinking Mm -hmm. about whatever's you know whatever you've been thinking about and then you're just kind of like it's just you in the dirt and you're you in the plants yeah but uh, so I'm getting there. Um, my problem is, is that I always forget to water stuff. So for me, like outdoors yeah. with sprinklers, like that's, that's how it mm-hmm. has to be because otherwise I can't, I won't, I'll, I'll forget or I'll remember at mm-hmm. night and then I'm not going to go out and do it anymore. <laughs> so, to, you know, Mm-mm. to water. Well, this gives you an opportunity to brush up on those creds, those <laughs> high school landscape manager creds. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forget to water too. I have um, two giant, um, beautiful coleus plants, mm-hmm. and coleus is the only thing that I don't mm-hmm. kill. It's the only thing that I don't neglect. I mm-hmm. think, and then so I found a beautiful. Um, I can do coleus. Oh my god, they're huge and they're beautiful. I'll send you pics yeah. um, when I go downstairs later. Um, and then I do succulents because they require very yep. little. 
um, I had a time plant out mm-hmm. there, and that sucker's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, little time. You you had to come home yeah. with me. I once tried to plant a sorry. little window box. Um, we we lived in a mm-hmm. condo, so we didn't have any kind of garden at all. And so I had this little window box, and I put some herbs in there. So I put like thyme and oregano right. and mint. Because how awesome to go yeah, and like pick, snip some and put them in it, your. Food. It was three days, and it all got eaten by bugs. <laughs> It was just, and what didn't get eaten by bugs dried out because I didn't water it. And so it was was not for me. Well, I mean, I'm glad you have this outlet um, to help, you know, sort of rekindle your love of of gardening. I I absolutely, I I don't loathe that I just, on a list of things to do, it's going to be blast. (laughs) Is any sort of gardening. But I do love potting my coleus every spring. And then watching them grow. That's yeah. that's all I yeah. like. So. I have some really beautiful plants out there. There's I don't know the names of everything. I had some lantana. I know that. Um, but I had um, asparagus fern, which is like one of my favorite Ooh. plants just because it looks so yeah. cool. But there's this big, um, the elephant ear type plant. I don't know what they're called. They're kind of like giant monstera type things. I don't know what they're. I'll t- send you a picture. But um they're awesome and they're just growing like crazy out there and I feel like Yay. if I had if it had been me to pick the plant I probably would have never picked that plant but they're right. beautiful plants. see that's why you need people with credentials to do the landscaping yeah. and maintain yeah. it if you you know are of the means um do you, is lavender easy to grow and is it hardy? Well, is should I avoid it? It is. Uh, it is water hardy. Yeah, it doesn't require a lot of water. Actually, I'm gonna get some yeah. lavender. I think um, it grows all over mm-hmm. the place here in Portland. Everybody has it in their front yard, and it's my absolute favorite plant in the entire world. I would love to have mm-hmm. some, um, but just just to see, you know. But then I would feel bad if I killed it because I know. Um, most plants die yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't need a lot of water so um you just good generally with plants like that you just need to water them enough to get them established and once they once they are once they root they're good can you grow it inside can i bring it inside in the winter i I believe it needs full sun okay oh well that's that will be hard because my patio faces my patio is weird it doesn't get full sun gets full sun in for a couple hours in the morning and that's it yeah check it i don't know for sure <sighs> and then there's different types of lavender too so maybe yeah, maybe maybe a certain kind will grow with partial shade yeah i will check yeah. into that thank you for joining our plant talk today right <laughs> <laughs> right thanks guys <laughs> Um, okay, well, um, what do you got? Some announcements? Do you have, I mean, really just one that I opened up, um, room or there is room in my production schedule for intuitively designed jewelry. Um, that's based on your numerology, your astrology and your Akashic record. Um, so you can pick your own design, um, you get a ring or um, a pendant. It's They're all sterling silver. The chain is sterling silver. Um, it's $325 and it comes with a ton of stuff. It comes with like, you get a 60 minute Akashic soul blueprint reading. And those are 175 bucks. If you just 
a book them on your own. But then it comes with this like multi-page guide that I put together for you. It gives you all of your numerology, your soul blueprint. It gives you your astrology. It gives you like pictures of the design process if you want them. Some people like to be surprised, which I think is kind of cool, yeah. but it's also cool to watch the process, watch them go from raw pieces of metal into like this beautiful finished design. Um, you get like a description of the gemstone and the materials used, their properties. Um, there's a five-year personal, a five-year personal year energy forecast. And we'll learn about personal years later. Um, and then you get like a message from your spirit guides. And then I tell you how to care for your jewelry. So there's a lot jam-packed mm. into this report. Yeah. So um, if you want to hit my website, um, joefigueras.com, um, under intuitively designed jewelry, fill out that little, uh, there's like a questionnaire type of thing, and then it'll start the process. And it's a really great gift. Even if the gift is for yourself, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have birthdays in September, but it, it does make a very thoughtful, very meaningful gift. So. Yeah, I had a guy, he he um, he said, hey, I want to get my wife a reading. She wants a reading from you. I want to get it for her birthday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, that's cool and everything. But <laughs> for just $100 more, you can get a, a an intuitively designed piece of jewelry for her. And of course, men, they're always looking for, you know, yeah. thing to get their wives. And he was like, let's yeah. do it. She loved that thing mm-hmm. so much. She just raved and raved and raved yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and it was probably one of the most, like one of the prettier um, pieces that I've ever done. So that's awesome. Really? Yes. They're great gifts. Yep. Uh, all right. What are we talking about today? Oh, well today. Oh, do you want to talk about the moon? Can we talk about the moon first? Oh, there's a new moon yeah. coming up. Yes, there is. It's coming yes. up. So yeah, let's talk about it. So we have the new moon coming up. That's at August 27th. And so this one, mm. uh, it helps us make solid plans as we enter the final stretch of summer and it aids us in using its energy more intentionally. Mm. Yeah. So um, it, new moons are all about intentions, right? But this one specifically um, because of its power, um, it'll be really good to use intentional to use intention well it's virgo you know and virgo is very like gotta do things Mm -hmm. a certain way (laughs) (laughs) yes yes um you know and virgo is also about like clearing out clearing clearing things out like keeping things clean Mm -hmm. right spreadsheet virgo Mm -hmm. yep yeah Mm, yeah yeah so that's the energy coming into this full moon how can we um what should we do are there some things we should yes so here's some things if you want to help clear out some clutter in your life in different different levels of clearing out so one is make your plans for the future try to focus on the well-being of yourself your mind your body your spirit try not to overcomplicate your feelings and also Mm. um Stay grounded in your personal objectives. So whatever Mm -hmm. that is for your future, whatever um, plans you've had for your future, try to stay grounded in what those are. Um, when, When you do that, then you have a much better chance of navigating through whatever obstacles may come your way without veering too far off course. 
Uh, right. And then like, uh, there's this, um, there's like a, a square with Mars and that would make us want to jump on like every single desire or idea that pops into our head. And so, yeah, that's, that's really good advice because, you know, Mars can make us sort of yep. impulsive. Yeah. Yeah. Mars can do that. Yeah. It can also make you kind of yeah. mean. <laughs> kind of angry <laughs> mean, mean and angry and argumentative yes. uh, what is it it's the planet of yep. war or yes. it, it represents uh-huh. war war, war. Yeah, <laughs> you're just you're saying it so nicely <laughs> you, you might be an asshole during Mars but you know try to use that channel that Virgo's logic yes. heavy practicality and thinking before you act um yeah um, what are some other things? How can we work with this? So while we may still have that burning desire to start something new under August's dark moon, this new moon will help us serve, or the full moon will help us serve the be- us best if we're quick to act and are more focused on creating adaptable and weatherproof plans. So again, grounding. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. if you can temper your impulses, harness the new moon energy, and this can be a really beautiful time to map, map out a flexible strategy for getting what you want. So it kind of, um, it, 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 it is tagging onto or grabbing onto um, the energy of the Lionsgate, which yes. was, you know, Lionsgate was a new moon, or I'm sorry, was, um, was on a... On a, um, a it was a full moon, moon correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and that's typically about release, except in the Lion's Gate energy, you, it's more Lion's Gate energy. You want to use that for manifestation, for calling things in. Um, and that's what a lot of people did. So with this energy, it's sort of like tapping on yeah. that. So using it um, to map out that flexible strategy, yeah. right? More and Yeah. And visualize. So whatever that means for you to make it either more tangible, um, whether you're maybe making a checklist of steps of the next steps that you things you have to get done your to-do list or if you want to be more Mm. creative about it and make yourself your vision board your moon mood board that kind of stuff if that's something that you gravitate towards normally um but it's about being attentive to the details that will help you again stay grounded in attaining your goals Nice, nice. Well, then I recommend I like a meditation, um, you know, connecting with nature, being out in nature. Um, if it's not hot as balls, wherever <laughs> you are, some it's like with you in, where you are, it's super, yeah. super hot. But then um, I heard in Michigan, it was like 55. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just Michigan's like weird like that anyway. Yeah. But, um, but it's also a good time to kick any of those goals into gear. And those goals are sort of the things that have been or the need to pursue goals has been really, really heavy on everybody's mind since like July 26th. That's when the Lionsgate energy actually started. So now is the time to really focus on, I asked spirit for help with my goals because I'm like, look, (laughs) I don't like consistency. I don't like being, I don't like restriction. I don't like any of that. But if these are things that need to be Kind of like your fried chicken story, right? If this is something that I need to give up, then, you, then I, I need, need your yeah, help. Yeah, you got to help me. You got to, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to do this together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, good. This sounds like a really lovely uh, yeah, new moon. It does. Nothing too crazy. Fantastic. Virgos aren't, Virgos aren't anything to be afraid of. <laughs> 
No, I know they get a bad I rap like, mostly just I because. Like yeah, yeah, they're earth signs. I do too. Um, you know, mostly it's just like, oh, for God's sake, sometimes <laughs> they just have a stick up their butt. Sometimes it's like, ugh, I have a, I have a Virgo, it. I have, I have one Virgo child, um, and she <sighs> hates surprises. Does what hates does not want to be surprised. Always needs to know what to expect. And then one of her best friends, also a Virgo, they so they're both born in September, and so we're planning a surprise birthday party for her friend. And I'm like not kind of whispering because <laughs> she's like in the other room now. And so, so we're planning. And so, um, her mom and I are like, okay, so we can't tell. Obviously, we're not going to tell the birthday girl, but we can't tell my daughter either. We can't tell any of them because they she will go and tell her because she knows that she hates surprises too. And she'll, you know, so we're like, nope, none. It's a surprise for both of them. <laughs> and then they'll both be and mad. And then they'll both be, <laughs> they'll be They'll be mad together. <laughs> they'll at least still have each other. <laughs> exactly. It'll work out. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. I love it that she reached out to you and she's like, hey, let's do this yeah. thing. Yeah. That's the twenty first. So, oh, 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 okay. It's 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 bonus daughter. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, but but it's it's her her friend is it's her friend's twenty first birthday. So, Mm -hmm. yep, yeah, she's a. uh, It's it's a it's an important, you know what is it? What are those things? Landmark birthdays. Yeah, twenty one. Heck yes. Yes. Well, are you doing something fun? Like, is it like, like big or is it, is it just the fact that it's a surprise? It's a surprise and it's just a party. She's, she's funny because she's like mature in so many ways, but also still a kid in a lot of ways. So that's why her parents feel like, oh, let's just throw her party. Where, you know, sometimes there's so much in 21 and you're like, oh no, let's take them to Vegas or whatever. But that's not, that's not her jam. (laughs) That's not her. Jam. Well, it's funny too that now um, that I know uh, which one you're speaking mm-hmm. of. It's like, oh yeah, she's definitely Virgo. Yeah. Definitely, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's organized chaos is the the best mm-hmm. description of them. But yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready to get started yeah. with today? I am. So now, can you tell me what we're yes, talking about? Yes. Yes. Okay. So. Yay! Now we are talking about cannabis, but we are talking about it in the entheogenic perspective. So, the entheogen entheogens are plants used in ritual or a spiritual way, or sometimes in a so any, any plant. plant. The, time could be an entheogen. Yeah, yeah. If you if you use okay. it, yeah. okay. As long as you're using it religiously. So like cacao. Exactly. Cacao. Um, I mean, obviously there's all the psychedelics as well, but even technically like frankincense and myrrh, right? Like there's, right? Oh, yeah. There in the Bible and there's some history of that. Entheogenic. Entheogenic. Yeah, entheogenic. So so, so, um, this was actually sparked or the interest in digging more into this was sparked because i was watching this documentary on netflix called the grass is greener have you seen it or heard of it no 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 okay Mm -mm. so it doesn't really have much to do with like the entheogen part of cannabis but it talks about how cannabis became illegal and and what and the the racial part of it and 
that's the reason why it became illegal was because it was a way if like you wanted to persecute black people and brown people and and it was a really easy in to go and say like well the thing that they prefer you know over inebriation or whatever alcohol alcohol, they you know and and if so if you call this out and say like oh well that's illegal and this is bad and this causes xyz blah 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 and they just basically made up all this shit um saying that that cannabis caused people to become violent and all this crazy stories that they just totally pulled out of their ass in order to make it illegal um, and then, you know, and then it resulted in, in what it's resulted in, in the disproportionate in- incarceration of black men and and brown people and all that. So anyway, so the documentary is really good. I totally just recommend that you watch it. It just really points out a lot of shit that's obviously wrong with our society and, and how people in power used um, cannabis as a way to outlaw certain groups of people right because white people white hillbillies specifically were making alcohol right they were making these instills in the hills and all this stuff mm-hmm. okay and yes i know prohibition blah 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 but yeah but you that know, didn't last long no it didn't <laughs> okay. and also like you know if if black and brown people are using these in their practices their indigenous practices their cultural practices mm-hmm. all of that stuff yeah. Alcohol is not being used for practices. I mean, other than I think Catholics use it in wine, right? You drink wine in there. But other than that, I mean, you know, here we go, right? Okay, it's okay for alcohol because God Mm -hmm. has you drink it during a Catholic service. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. 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 Interesting. It, it's a it's a very cool documentary. It also gets into um it, it progresses into how it was mostly used by jazz musicians and how that was causing uh, racial integration in the jazz clubs. Oh yeah. And how that was obviously like a problem for white men it was like, you oh. know, because now, you know, because now white women were out dancing with black men and this was a problem because, you know, segregation and all this shit. So yeah, it's but then it, it actually gets into like the uh, the influence in pop culture and in music, and and it's actually really cool. And Snoop Snoop Dogg's on there, and he's and it's funny because uh, that you talk about alcohol because he ta- he says something in there about um, if you've got a person in a room who's got a problem, and if, if that person's drunk, that's a problem. Like mm-hmm. that person's gonna you know you you're gonna kick them out. But if a person's high. And he's you, and you've got beef with him, or you know he's got a problem. You just put him in the corner; right. he'll be fine. Like he's not, he's right. not going to attack. Like no. they don't. I don't want any. I don't want any trouble when I'm high. That's the last thing I want. Yeah, you know, the yeah. last thing I want. I'm just trying to figure out how to breathe properly sometimes. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you get the good stuff, <laughs> you forget how to breathe. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the worst. Something's going on. I'm high. I can't remember how to breathe. Let me focus on this. Uh, you know, I wish I could say that's never happened to me, but it's I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're heathens. Um, okay, so the grass is greener on Netflix. Yes. Okay, yeah. Cool. Totally we'll worth the out. watch. We'll check it's it out. A good time. Um, it makes you a little angry, but then it gets you know, and then it yeah. gets into fun stuff too. So it's a nice, it's a yeah. nice balance. <clears> yeah. <throat> Um, okay, so I essentially just went into like the history of cannabis, but again, like I wanted to really focus on how people used it 
religiously or spiritually. Cool. So the or like the origin of cannabis itself is believed to be in Asia or that it came from Asia. And then we know Asia and all its different trade routes that it had pretty much with everyone throughout the globe. And that's how it began to spread. So um, because of its trading activities, it went into Africa by Arabian traders. And Ethiopia was the first of the part of the continent to come in contact with the plant. And then um, other earlier evidence sig- uh, suggests that Egyptians also used the plant. Egyptians? Mm-hmm. Egyptians, yes. cool, cool. You know, I'm Egyptians. I'm all over anything Egyptian. Yeah. Okay. So first, we're gonna start with India. Okay. We're gonna be essentially just gonna go continent by continent. Okay. Right. So India. So the earliest known reports regarding the sacred status of cannabis in the Indian subcontinent came from the Atharva Veda, which was written around 2000 to 1400 BC. And it mentions cannabis as one of the five sacred plants, which releases us from anxiety. They say that a a guardian angel resides in its leaves. Mm. Uh, It's true. Yeah. The Vedas, (laughs) which are the ancient uh, holy text of of India, um, they refer to it as the source of happiness, Mm -hmm. joy giver, Mm -hmm. and liberator. And all true. Cannabis does all of these things for me. Yes. And in the Raja Vallabha, the gods send hemp to the human race so that it might attain delight, lose fear, and have sexual desires. Thank you, gods. Thank you, aliens, whatever. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Many households in India own and grow a cannabis plant to be able to offer cannabis to the passing sadhu, which are ascetic holy men. Um, And during some evening devotional services, it is not uncommon for cannabis to be smoked by everyone present. You know, that sounds like a good time. It really does. Religious service. Yes, and beautiful and welcoming. I would partake in. Right. Like Like instead of falling asleep in Catholic mass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um, Cannabis is also often consumed in weddings or in festivals honoring Shiva, um, who is said to have brought it down from the Himalayas. So it's offered to Shiva in temples um, on Shiva Ratri Day. And while devotional meanings called bahans, although not necessarily associated with Shiva, are occasions for devotees to consume the drug liberally. Nice. Yogis or sadhus, along with Hindu mystics, have been known to smoke a mixture of cannabis sativa and tobacco in order to enhance meditation. Uh-huh. Hello, there it is, right there. And when when is that? That's like ancient, right? Yeah. yeah. Ancient. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. Can I talk about the story about why yeah. this is such a, a, a good yes. episode? Yeah. So I recently had a reading with um, someone. It wasn't really a – well, it was a reading. Um, but mm-hmm. um, one of the things that they told me um, there was that I need to stop um, consuming cannabis mm-hmm. and edibles. They said that my guides told me that. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not true. Um, my guides get, that's not what guides don't tell you to stop doing anything. 
I mean, I've read right. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. You have free will. They can't free will. do that. They can't, yeah. right? So I realized that she was projecting her own um, mm-hmm. challenges or beliefs um, sure. that had nothing to do, but it was in the guise of of um, cannabis or of, of yeah. you know, bias, bias, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you shouldn't do this because, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But the issue, normally I would have been like, oh, you know, no big deal. The issue was that I was then told that I have negative entities as a result of that that are preying on me. So huge problem there. Um, no, zero resonance. And I'm like, bullshit. Because mm-hmm. if that's the case, there's way too much richness and depth in history um, yeah. of it. And if if that were the case, it's been used for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Like, you know, yeah. um, and we yeah. know the evils, the evils of alcohol. Nobody's ever like, drink alcohol. It's great for you. It'll help you, you know, do this other than, you if know. If anything allows for like possession, it right. is alcohol. Alcohol, like, right? And we've seen yep. it in spirits, right? It's called yep. spirits. spirits. Like, yep. and you've seen it. We all have a friend yep. that like completely changes personality when yep. they're, when they get a little drunk. And and yep. it's like night and day, and that's because yes. it's allowed for some low key possession in that person. Right. So. so in the conspirituality realms, that cannabis is bad for your spirituality, bad for your connection to divinity, bad for meditation, bad for all those things. Uh, bullshit. Yeah. It, it's not, and yeah. we have thousands and thousands of years in different cultures to prove it to us. So, yeah. okay, now continue enlightening us about <laughs> all those amazing cultures and ways that it was used and revered. So there's actually three types of cannabis that are used. So I thought this was interesting because like I wanted, I've heard of like, like hash or hashish, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's the difference between that? Okay. So what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first is called bang spelled B-H-A-N-G. So I hope I'm saying it right. Um, and this is a type of cannabis edible. And it consists of the leaves and the plant tops of the marijuana plant. And it is usually consumed as an infusion in beverage form. And it varies in strength according to how much cannabis is used in preparation. That's like dual duh. That's like everything, right? Right. Um, The second ganja consisting of the leaves and the plant tops is smoked. Mm -hmm. And then the third called sharas or hashish consists of the resinous buds and or the extracted resin from the leaves of the plant. Yes. Okay. So I knew about ganja and hashish. I didn't know about the other one. Yeah. Cool. Um, And so typically though, bang is the most commonly used form of cannabis in religious festivals. Okay. I never heard of bang. And bang is just rolling it in a, in a, in a joint, right? basically yep yeah or yep. i mean mm-hmm. i suppose you could just put it in a pipe or whatever but yeah no uh that one is the edible one that's the one they put it in a, in a beverage <gasps> oh the edible oh yeah, bang. yeah. Okay. Bang. okay yeah bang is the one yeah in a in a drink um and lastly in tantric buddhism so tantra right you know mm-hmm. it's like that's right sex sex uh, uh, which originated in the Tibeto Himalayan region, hmm. cannabis actually serves a very important part of the traditional ritual, which may or may not also include sexual intercourse. 
Um, mm-hmm. Cannabis is usually taken to facilitate meditation. It also heightens awareness of all aspects of the ceremony. And with a large oral dosage being taken in time with the ceremony so that the climax of the high, quote unquote, coincides with the climax of the ceremony. Which I thought was very interesting. That is cool as hell. It is. Um, because I know that even now, today, people have incorporated with sex magic. Yeah. Like that's that's a thing that it and it, because it does allow you to like shed inhibitions in a certain way mm-hmm. and really get more in tune with your body in mm-hmm. in a, a much more conscious way well and okay. i mean i mean i've had sex on the ganja and yeah. it's <laughs> literally it's 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 totally different the sensations yeah. and the feeling it's amazing so. yeah yeah it's amazing okay and ancient China. So there, this guy, this, he was a sinologist and a historian, Joseph Needham. Um, he concluded that the hallucinogenic properties of hemp were common knowledge in Chinese uh, medical and Taoist circles for two millennia or more. Um, other That's scholars... And that is a really long time. Yeah. Other scholars associated with um, Chinese Wu which is what they call their shamans, um, uh, showed evidence of them using entheogenic use of cannabis um, in Central Asia. So in the mountains of Western China, there's significant traces of THC, which is, you know, the part of cannabis that gives you the like actual like feeling high effect, have been found in wooden bowls uh, excavated from 2500 year old cemeteries wow so very cool. uh, so it's it's been around it's been around yeah. a long long time yes and then in the fifth century ad there was a taoist priest who wrote the following cannabis is used by necromancers which necromancers are wizards or magicians um in combination with ginseng to set forward time in order to reveal future events, which I'm like, that's pretty cool. I know, right? Uh huh. And and actually, in that documentary, in the grass is greener, they talk about how jazz musicians used it because for them it like stopped time. Yeah. And I'm like, I just think that's an interesting like mm-hmm. interpretation of how it makes you feel of the like the how it elongates time or whatever mm-hmm. the, the time effect. Um. Okay, so the use of cannabis as a hallucinogenic drug by these necromancers or magicians is especially notable um, because in most early cultures, including in ancient China, medicine has its origin in magic. So medicine men were also considered practicing magicians. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, So the only thing that changed, though, was that after the rise of Confucianism, which spread from China through East Asia and then into Japan, the ingestion of cannabis resin for psychoactive or ritualistic purification was eventually just like phased out. It was suppressed um, in Japan and then eventually in China. So, okay, And then then we're going to go a little bit back. So this is getting into essentially ancient Central Asia. So we're talking about the Greeks here. So um, in approximately 440 BCE, um, the Greek histories of Herodotus. Those Greek names, they're fucking impossible, except for (laughs) stupid Zeus. That's easy. 
Yeah, fucking Zeus. <laughs> fucking Zeus. Uh, um, they record that the early Scythians used cannabis steam baths, which doesn't that sound fucking fun? That sounds like a nice time. <laughs> I mean, remember that the oracles of Delphi, they would like straddle um, the the fu- the fumes that were coming up from the earth and take a big old hit on it. Of, of course, they're going to sit in the bath, too. <laughs> Dude, I want to do a cannabis steam bath now. Like, that sounds fun. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave here and go to the store. I'm like, I got to go to the pot yeah. store. I'll be back. I'm going to go. And then I'm going to go sit in the sauna. At the right. <laughs> how did it work? Did it say? Does it say how it worked? <laughs> no, they did not explain. Like, I don't think they want to. steam bath. I mean... I don't know. I I guess you could just probably like burn the flowers and kind of create like an incense type thing in the steam bath. And yeah. then it's just kind of like, you know, then it gets in your pores. I don't know. Sounds fun. Um, okay. Uh, what Herodotus called the hemp seed must have been the whole flowering tops of the plant where the psychoactive resin is produced along with the fruit. Um, Herodotus also noted that the Thracians a people who had intimate contact with the Scythians introduced the plant to the Dacians. Jesus Christ. (laughs) They're just like, just all talking to each other where it became popular among a shamanic cult named the Capnobatai. Also known as that. What that word means is those who walk in the clouds, which means like you're high as fuck. Right. Like, they have to. They probably named each other when they were fucking high. That's why it's so impossible to comprehend when you're not high. Like I don't know what the fuck this is. I don't know what this says. I'm just gonna call it Theodosius Alchemacia or something stupid. So the Capnobatai, um, which was. Uh, they call it a, a religious cult, which I don't know about you, but I feel like the word cult now has like a negative connotation. So it I don't totally know. Does. I mean, you know, right? Um, but the shamans of this group or this cult were known to use hemp smoke to induce visions and trances, which is like. You could have like be smoking a lot, no? Like to get to that part of it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm envisioning envisioning like um, Native American or shamanistic practices where they sit in those little those little tiny rooms and they mm. put that and then they fill up the room with smoke. Oh, okay. Maybe. maybe yeah. What are those called? Those little powwows. Well, no, oh, what I, I don't. Yeah, no, I don't know what it's called. Like Native Americans, like in um, uh, Aztecs. Um, we have the um oh god what are they the steam yes the steam steam. yes where it's hot in there and they do things and they pass around the peyote or the ayahuasca or whatever so anyway that's what i'm envisioning that 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 would be like um i want now i want to do that i don't really like to be hot that's the thing so i don't know how much i would love Tamascal, Tamascal is what they what the, the Aztec, yeah, Tamascal is what the Aztecs call it. Yeah, okay. I want to do it. You I do it well. still, yeah. I, I want to try it. I, I hope that for you, but then you can tell me about it. But yes, I'd like to do mine in a pool with the cool breeze. <laughs> I don't, I don't really I like don't to think be that hot. That works. I get mad when or mean and mad when I'm hot. So uh, <laughs> it's counterproductive. Uh huh. All right. So also during this time, a lot of their burial tombs of people of the, the Scythians, of the 
Phrygians, all of them, uh, when they found their tombs, they found evidence of cannabis sativa seeds. So it seemed oh, to cool. be part of their their burial um, practices. Uh, so, like, uh, there's this this one thing. So this the Chinese archaeologist found a tomb that was probably circa 2400 to 2800 um, BC. And this was in Northwest China. And they found the remains of an approximately 35 year old man um, who had been buried with 13 one meter cannabis plants. It's like, that's like fully grown, I think. I don't know. It's pretty tall. Um, And they were placed diagonally across his chest. Hmm. So this is the first archaeological discovery of a complete cannabis plant. Hmm. And it's uh, as well as the first incidence of their use as a burial shroud. I love that. They're sending love and light and and happiness in the ever after. There you go. Yeah. Okay, and then we move into Africa. So in in Africa, um, cannabis was used medicinally to restore appetite, to relieve pain of hemorrhoids. Um, They also used it as an antiseptic, which I thought that that was interesting because I I feel like with us in in Mexico, like a lot of our grandmas know to put the marijuana leaves in alcohol and then you put that like when you have pain or whatever nice oh i just just think it's interesting how like that that stuff kind of carries down um anyway so in um and then a a number of african countries it was used to treat tetanus hydrophobia um infantile convulsions um other nervous disorders cholera rheumatism hay fever asthma skin diseases and even protracted labor during childbirth which is like wow could you imagine i know i mean i mean <laughs> but it, it, this also is sort of um validation because you know there are so many organizations that are trying to or that have been working for years to legalize mm-hmm. marijuana and hemp because of their medicinal properties and all of the things yes. um, you know so yep. um i mean it's stupid that it's it's not i mean in many places are it is but yeah mm-hmm. Um, and in Africa, there's also a number of cults and sects, sects, sects of, yes, of hemp sects. worship. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so there were some explorations done by two people named Pog, Pog and Wisman. Um, they did explorations around uh, 1881 and they found large plots of land around villages that were used exclusively for the cultivation of hemp. Um, originally there were just small clubs of hemp smokers. Um, and eventually these, these, they formed friendships and they turned into religious cults as a result. So one of these was the Bashilinge people and they called themselves the Bena Riamba or the sons of hemp (laughs) and their, their land Lubuku meaning friendship. And they greeted each other with the expression "moayo," meaning both hemp and fire. Ah, sp- or or translated by Snoop Dogg, "spark it up." <laughs> yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Bashilinge people actually worshipped the plant, and they called it their god because of the supernatural feeling it gave after it was eaten or smoked. 
And they believe that the plant was magical and they used it to ward off evil spirits, Mm -hmm. which I was like, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. cool. Um, Most men were supposed to smoke it as frequently as possible (laughs) to show their devotion to their God. Well, I'm down. I'd be down for that if I was a guy. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, I can do this. (laughs) This led to a large cultivation of the plant by this tribe, at least um, so every home was obligated to have a garden of cannabis to show appreciation and devotion to the god. I mean, I know, right? You're right. Cool. Yeah, we we need to incorporate so many more of these practices because we'd have so many more happy people in this world rather than, you know, yeah. angry, yeah. crazy. Yeah. And the hemp pipe assumed a symbolic meaning for the Bashulinge, somewhat analogous to the significance with like the peace pipe that um, mm-hmm. American Indians had. Um, no holiday, no trade agreement, no peace treaty treaty was transacted without it. Um, yeah. Perfect. And then in the Middle Sahara region, the Senussi sect was also also cultivated hemp and on a large scale for use in religious ceremonies. Um, today, um, unfortunately, although it is like a cash crop throughout the world it is largely illegal in africa is it really that's too bad yeah uh south africa is among few places on the continent where it is its consumption is legal and regulated Hmm. um malawi also records the largest unofficial export of marijuana although it is illegal there oh all right malawis are like Mm -hmm. we'll find a way we're it's it works Mm -hmm. leave them alone right right (laughs) okay and now we're going to go a little bit into the past so this isn't necessarily just a consonant so talking about um cannabis in germanic paganism so in ancient germanic so of course like germans always because our language right derives from it's a germanic it's a germanic language so we always have them to thank for the fucking origin of words that we use so we're gonna get into why we call it hemp okay so in ancient germanic paganism cannabis was possibly associated with the norse love goddess freya linguistics offers further evidence of prehistoric use of by the germanic peoples the word hemp derives from the old english hanep from pho- Proto-Germanic Hanapis, and it's the same Scythian word that cannabis derives from. So there you go. It's basically the Germans made up the word hemp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a rather um, I don't know. It just seems. I mean, now that I know that it was made up and it's not actual, like it's not founded in something that's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's a mm. not a very good word. For I mean, something so magical. It yeah, needs a better yeah. name. Yeah. All right. Thank you, um, Germans, for your thanks. terrible word. <laughs> I mean, they just, you know, that's just what they're just good at making words. They're or, good at words. We're just good at preserving their words, I guess, I, is really what it's about. Because everyone else made lots of other words, but we just haven't preserved them the way that we have kept those. Um, other than that, the Celts may have also used cannabis. There is evidence of hash traces were found in Hallstatt, the birthplace of Celtic culture. Okay. And, and that's all for 
that part of it. Okay. Um, and then we get into the Middle East. Um, so cannabis oil was likely used through the Middle East for centuries before and after the birth of Christ. The Assyrians, the Egyptians, and the Israelites, among other Semitic cultures of the Middle East, mostly acquired cannabis from Aryan cultures and have burned it as incense as early as 1000 BC. In Egypt, cannabis pollen was recovered from the tomb of Ramesses II. Um, and cannabis as an incense was used in the temples of Assyria and Babylon because its aroma was pleasing to the gods. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I don't know about that, but... but I mean, I wonder how different it smelled right. like then to now, right. you know? because now it's Be all skunky. Because, well, yeah, because we mm -hmm. fucked with it so much. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I wonder how, how different it would have been if back it then. it smelled like, um, you know, like, um, what's my favorite incense? Nag Champa? Ooh, I can see oh. that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um okay. So and then and then then we start getting into um Judaism and cannabis because it's kind of like two worlds of think. This should split, okay? So most academics believe that it is not documented or mentioned in early Judaism. That cannabis isn't mentioned at all in early Judaism. Um, however, against this, there are some popular writers who have argued that there is evidence of use of cannabis in the Hebrew Bible. The primary advocate for this theory was Polish was a Polish anthropologist. Her name was Sula Bennett, um, and she claimed that the plant cannabosum mentioned five times in the Hebrew Bible uh, and was used in the holy anointing of the books of Exodus was cannabis. And then there's a bunch of other people that disagree. So, <laughs> of course, <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like for every one person that says one thing, there's like five other that are, you know, and until you don't, I guess, until you don't have solid physical proof, I guess, for some people, they're never going to believe it. I don't right. know. Right. Um. Yeah. So according to some theories that hold that cannabis was present in ancient Israelite society, um, a variant of hash was believed to have been present. Um, so most people, though, agree that although it might not have been like straight up cannabis, that it would have been like hemp fibers um, because hemp was a vital com commodity um, before they replaced it with linen. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, and other people think that it's some other plant called Acarus calamus, um, and not cannabis. So again, mm. like people cannot agree. No. Um, well. yeah. And in the year 2020, it was announced that cannabis residue had been found on the Israelite sanctuary of Tel Arad dating to the eighth century BC, um, in the kingdom of Judah. So that suggests that the cannabis was part of some Israelite uh, rituals at the time. So there you go. There you go. There you go. It's found everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, I'm going to touch on um, Mexico about um, re regarding cannabis. Although cannabis wasn't um, some people. Okay. Again, some people believe that like the Aztecs had cannabis, mm -hmm. but there isn't a whole lot of proof of that again. Um, hmm. It seemed to me like from everything that I've learned so far over the last couple of years is that if the Mayans or the Aztecs like used something or, you know, honored something, you would, they would 
fucking make sculptures of it. Like you, yeah. you always found like, you know, there's all these things. So, so um, it's mostly believed that it was brought over by the colonizers the when colonizers, they came yeah. into Mexico. The yeah, they brought it and Spaniards. the Spanish brought it because they, they brought the hemp plant because they needed to create things to make things like rope. So that's primarily what it like. That's why they brought it. And then no one's really sure if they brought the whole plant or if they just brought seeds. But either way, like it's generally understood that they they that's how I got there. That's, that's how I got how to Mexico got here. Yeah. Um, so marijuana is mm-hmm. a big old colonizer itself. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. Um, and um, so marijuana is essentially the it's like the spanish the spanish word for it and then i'll get into like what some people think like how it was created but uh, or how the word came about but um the thing is is that although maybe the aztecs and the mayans didn't have it for you know like in ancient times because um the the people um because the aztecs were already used to using those psychedelics because they did actually use like ayahuasca <laughs> right um, like, like uh, mushrooms big yeah yeah um mushrooms they had their um uh the their tobacco that they used um salvia as well um so because they were already used to psychedelics they when they brought in cannabis or they started to use cannabis they just like easily adopted it because they were like oh yeah like you know we know the spirit of plants like right we got this so that's where it has been like you know used and introduced um and it was easily introduced because again like they already like had a standing relationship with working with plant medicines so it wasn't it wasn't that far of a stretch um so let's see Okay, so the name marijuana. Um, so the okay, so some people believe that it's related to the term Maria, which at the time was a common way to refer to indigenous women who came to cities to sell things from their community, and often that included plants. Um, and some people though really, like really don't agree with that at all because they think it's pretty disrespectful and it's kind of derogatory. Um, and then the Juanes part was a term that it was used to refer to soldiers. And it is said that soldiers use marijuana frequently buying it from Maria's. So like, that's where like the Maria Juana thing is like, ah, that's Maria Juana. Yeah. That's so that's cool. where, yeah, but it's still speculation sure. again. Like, however, again, in that documentary and that grass is greener, they do talk about how, um, the government, the, the United States government, really um um like stuck to using the name marijuana instead of like anything else that you could have possibly called it because it had that that spanish or hispanic connotation so now you associated with it with you know people of color with with mexican people um so uh yeah so as soon as it was introduced though into Mexico, it was quickly started being used both recreationally and medicinally and as well as in religious rituals. So um, in some um, uh, religions um, or native people will actually take the plant and they'll leave it on the altar. Um, And that's part of, you know, as an offering. Um, 
In the 16th century, it was used as a treatment for gonorrhea and to regulate the menstrual cycle and also to alleviate muscle pain and toothaches. Um, there are documents that detail the use of cannabis in Mexican spiritual rituals. So there's a story written by a man named Guillermo Prieto in 1857. And he describes a ritual by an indigenous community in San Juan del Rio, um, uh, which consisted of smoking marijuana to go into a trance-like state in order to find out whether a marriage between two young people should or shouldn't take place. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's smoking it to go into a trance-like state to ask for direction on anything is pretty much the whole foundation of using it for meditation. Yeah, yeah. And so, like I said, because of the indigenous people's already deep knowledge when it came to psychoactive plants and their benefits, once they became aware of cannabis, they incorporated it into their botanical toolkit pretty quickly. Nice. Um, so even today, um, there's an indigenous group from Puebla, Mexico. They're called the Otomi. They use cannabis, which they actually refer to as Santa Rosa, uh, which means Saint Rose, in their rituals. The Otomi actually eat the cannabis. Oh. And they also use ritual dolls made of paper into which they insert cannabis. Um and so they usually associate cannabis with relaxation, but they spend their rituals dancing all night. <laughs> which like, yeah, that's like, that's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that sounds like a great time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then we get into um, the Caribbean. So marijuana is used by the Rastafarians. Um, and Again, they for them, it's like to heighten the feelings of community, to produce visions of religious and a calming nature. Um, however, they will, they don't refer to it as marijuana. They're going to call it, they, they usually describe it as wisdom weed or the holy herb. Okay. Um, or ganja, right? Okay. Like ganja is, I think, where that's where... Um, that term actually comes from is from them. Um, so they, the Rastafarians began, began incorporating ganja into their religious ceremonies in the late 1800s. And this was done by indentured East Indians who were brought to the Island to work after slavery ended. Um, and then Jamaica also happened to have some of the best climate in which to grow the plant. Um, and then this was a fun this is a good fact. So, because probably the best known Rastafarian was Bob Marley. Um, but he did not use cannabis recreationally. And he did not see its value as a recreational drug. He viewed marijuana as a holy rite. And he saw himself as a holy person, as do all Rastafarians. And believed strongly that marijuana opened up a spiritual door that allowed him to access his creativity. Which I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a that is gorgeously beautiful. Yeah, creativity is just simply inspiration, and as inspiration comes from the higher self, and the higher self, when you use plant medicines to connect to that higher self, it just sort of blows it wide open. Mm -hmm. Um. So I I wanted to end this by just talking about something that I had experienced recently because um, in doing this research we got into the United States and they started talking about the hippie movement, but I don't personally see the hippie movement as like a religious or ritual thing or use. That's more of a social, like political movement that uh, happened. 100%. So 
so I wasn't like I I don't really I mean like that's you know you can do your own research on how the hippies you know used it or whatever and what right. they thought about it but right. but uh, as far as like ritual I don't think it's there no no but it, you're you're correct about uh, political or social because you know there's a negative connotation when it comes to hippies what are they they're long haired pot smoking you know long haired something people need not apply what is it long haired freaky people need not apply about LSD and how when the government, the, uh, the CIA was testing it on soldiers, it actually mm-hmm. caused them to like leave, right? And they were just like, fuck, like it doesn't make any sense. Like why are we fighting, you know, why are we out here killing each other? Like let's get out of here. So that's like part of why it was all, but that's part of like cannabis too. Cannabis also like opens you up to like being more loving and like, Mm -hmm. you know, get in touch with nature and like not be so mad and Mm -hmm. like, you know, love. Mm -hmm. So it puts you on a different frequency and, and not in a bad way at all. So Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, like some, like uh, a government controlling agency that wants you to go off and fight and be mad about shit you know, doesn't want you to like have that experience. A thousand years from now, when we're looking back and all of this stuff is, you know, in the history books and we see the absolute manipulation and control that we are, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I'm not one of those conspirituality people who's like, we're being controlled, which no, but we are being controlled, right? But we're but, being distracted. You know, At the very least, we're being distracted. Distraction. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. But, you know, things like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, no. We, we want to make this a bad thing. We want to outlaw this because this brings about, you know, uh, free open-mindedness. will. Open-mindedness. Yeah. about open-mindedness mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. love and compassion and all that stuff. Yeah. So we're, I think we're going to be really, like, shocked yeah. um, at the level. Um, yeah. So the, what I what I wanted to say was, um, so recently when I went, um, I had – I was able to sit in community and circle with um, a really cool group of women. And one of them actually channeled a message from the cannabis plant. Um, And she was telling us how um, the plant doesn't like to be called weed because like weed is a derogatory term for, you know, for plants. Like, you know, weed is something unwanted. Um, Right. So, so yeah, so refer to it by, by its name. So whether you want to use marijuana or cannabis or ganja or just what, you know, what it calls you just don't necessarily use that. Don't call it. Um, yeah. Um, and then also when you are um, partaking in, in it in whatever way, but um, if you are smoking it, that um, you should smoke it with something that also comes from the earth. So like if you make an apple bong or even a, a, a glass pipe because glass is just sand right um mm-hmm. that's that's fine too or paper um mm-hmm. uh, and then what else so there was that oh and then using like using the entire plant like if you are going to have your own and grow your own because like i know here we're allowed to have you know a certain amount of plants um mm-hmm. to use the entire plant not just yeah. the flower like the whole plant has um so many cannabinoids and that's a whole other thing that we can go get into like a whole other podcast episode yes, of the fact yes. that we have a cannabinoid system that is like you know like built to take in the, you know th- these these things and like uh, have and use them in our body like it, that's pretty incredible um <laughs> so. yes it's similar to the mushroom right where there it's like it it's it's a mirror <clears throat> how does it know yeah how does it doesn't know what to do yeah it's just i just think that's really cool um 
There is, though, um, there's this book that I wanted to mention. There's this, um, uh, the author's name is Daniel McQueen, and the book is called Psychedelic Cannabis, Therapeutic Methods and Unique Blends to Treat Trauma and Transform Consciousness. Um, He actually talks about, so this is where I felt like this was more um, useful information as far as like the use of cannabis in the United States in a more like, uh, medicinal way um mm-hmm. so he actually uses it they use it like in a it's a controlled environment like an office setting basically to um help people move through traumatic events so kind of like mdma therapy or i think there's mushroom therapy that they're doing that with as well but maybe for someone who's like not quite ready to get into like a straight you know full-on um psychedelic experience they use cannabis to kind of to aid that process um, and how really cannabis just helps you to get in touch with your body. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and also though, he made a really solid point um, that cannabis can kind of shape shift and yeah. it's, it's almost like it gives you what you need. And for mm-hmm. some people it does um, it's always like set and setting, right? Like it's always depends on like where you're at and who you're with and what you're doing. But like, if you do use it intentionally, it will provide you with what you need. Like when I had that really intense and pretty traumatic mushroom experience, Mm -hmm. um, the way that I was finally able to integrate it and make sense of everything was with cannabis. Mm-hmm. Like it was one night that I, like I sat with it and like I was able to go through the entire experience and, and understand it in this way that I could not understand it before. Like, and I was so thankful for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that was all thanks to cannabis. So it's a really beautiful tool. Um, yeah. to use with going deeper and getting the answers. I yes. mean, you know, physically, um, you know, yes, you relax and all of those things. And if mm-hmm. you, like you said, if you, if you have anxiety or you have thoughts on your mind or you have things, you know, it can be distracting because it wants you to focus on those. Yeah. Um, or it's going to make those bigger, expand those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it is like your partner in co-creation sort of like when the everything aligns and it's a perfect partner yeah you can have some of the most profound um and life-altering you know just insights into yourself um healing um, self-healing so um i don't for a minute believe that any that 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 I need to stop or that it's it's that it invites evil entities or anything like that um and I feel bad for people that um, believe that. Would, yeah, believe that because that's just a disempowering thought that yeah. you and your mind itself are not strong enough. Yeah, um, you know, to take the help of this plant and use it, you know, in ways. I, I think that's just shadow that comes up. That's unprocessed shadow. If, yeah. if you do feel like, oh no, no, it brings out my quote unquote demons. Yeah. Well, it's hmm, work to do. And I know. I know that for some people though, that it does have some negative connotations to it because maybe they've, they've had like a family member who addictions and stuff. The thing is, is though that addictions can be formed to anything like, and it's not, it's not the plant itself. You know, it's not that like people, Mm. people get addicted to porn and like you know Mm -hmm. like people get addicted to food like there's all sorts of addictions that you can have when you have that 
um, propensity to be addicted to something, it's not necessarily the thing that you're addicted to that's causing you know the the need so girl i had an addiction to stacy's pita chips i'm not even <laughs> kidding i am not and those people that know me know i am not fucking kidding, you're not kidding. um i did it was it, i'm not even gonna tell you uh, the details of it it was the stupidest thing that's just an aspect of my personality. I have an addictive personality. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was just the manifestation of it at that time until I pulled myself out of yeah. that yeah. downward spiral with pita yeah. chips. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and some people may use it to use a substance to numb out because they numb want out. to escape yep. from, you know, and, and a lot of times that's alcohol. Or but whatever. But but whatever you know, it's it's whatever works. It's some some people. It's video games. Like you know, mm-hmm. they don't have to take responsibility for mm-hmm. uh, the the things that are in front of them, and they just distract and uh, avoid. So you know, don't necessarily attach your um, negative experiences with a certain person or you know a, an ex- something that you may have watched somebody go through. Um, that wasn't so much the plant's fault as it was, you know, what that person had was here to experience. Yeah. It's individual because there is no way in hell I can numb out on cannabis. The last thing that would happen is numbing out, being able to shut it out. My brain starts like, Oh, you're up. You're ready. Let's do Uh, this. Let's, let's, let's go deep. Right. And I'm like, no, (laughs) but you know, that's why I use it is to, is to, but, but yeah, so um, numbing out is not, not possible for me and that's yeah. not possible for many 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 people yeah. so yeah 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 i know i had um i had a small surgery and my sister had brought me over some edibles and she's like here it'll help you with your pain and i took it and i was like hyper aware <laughs> right? even more painful of the surgery no i could feel every stitch i could feel yes. everything that had happened and i was like this is the worst never again. idea no never again never <laughs> <laughs> yes it's beautiful it's a beautiful it works different with different people yeah, and different it really yeah, does so yeah same same it makes me hyper aware of everything yep. there is no numbing out mm-hmm. there's hyper <laughs> hyper awareness yep ah <laughs> uh, all right you have anything well thank you us? that was really interesting super interesting thank you thank you so yeah. much yeah um all right you have something for our closing vibe today yeah, I do. Um, so I want to talk about our personal year numbers. Um, I It's almost going to be time for me to drop the announcement that I'm doing um, the yearly forecasts. And I'm just like, this year I was like, I can't, I just can't do, I just can't do the 12 month forecast this year. It just wasn't sitting with me. And then I started thinking about well, how can I offer these reports for people? And then I decided to offer the report on personal years. Um, so I'm super excited about it. So I just want to go through the personal years really quick, let everybody know what it is. And then, um, you know, if you're interested in a report that these are coming out or these are going to, you're going to be able to buy these. All right. So numerology, right? We know that numerology runs in a nine year cycle and gives us insights into, you know, the theme and the energy of, you know, certain areas of our life. So our personal year number, that also runs in a nine-year cycle um, and gives us insight into the energy that we're going to experience in a given year and the theme of that given year, that that energy that's going to support you, but also challenge you. Um, So when you know your personal year number, it can help provide you with um, guidance 
to go with the flow of life rather than like fighting against it. For instance, if you are in a one personal year, it's going to be a year that is going to focus on or the theme, the thing that you'll most experience is self-identification, individualization, who am I, where am I going, what do I want, the I am sort of concept. Mm -hmm. And personal years run from January 1st through December 31st. They're, they're, they're a full calendar year. Year two, uh, if when you're in a personal year two, you're going to be experiencing a lot of um, circumstances around partnerships, um, validation, validation of who you are, what you're capable of, that sort of thing. Year three is all about self-expression. So three is typically associated with communication, but how we communicate um, comes through a thousand different sort of avenues. It comes yeah. through our speaking and our writing, but also our clothing, our hair, you know, all of mm -hmm. that stuff. So year three is really about um, authentic self-expression, being the most authentic version of self mm. and then taking creative action. Your creativity comes through and inspiration. And how are you going to put that into action? Year three is a cool year. I, I really enjoyed my year three. Year four is a little bit of a harder year. It's all about structure, stability, hard work. So a lot of people like new business owners or people that switch jobs or people that are in current jobs, they find that year four feels all they do is work, um, you know, work, 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 work. It feels really, you can get really exhausting. So year four is a hard one, but year four is really important because you're building structures and foundations for the next five years in your nine-year cycle. So just stick with it. Year five is about freedom and movement. So year five is a very social year and it's when all of these amazing, amazing things start to happen. That's when you start, um, you know, feeling the results of that four year. So you have the money and the stability oh. to go and do be social and travel. Um, but also, you know, a four year can be really solitary. So that mm. five year brings in lots of social um, interactions. Oh. The sixth year is about service, nurturing, and that's really the year of the healer. It's the year of goddess energy. It's the year of a family and home. A lot of people get married in six years or they start relationships or they have babies or buy homes, you know, all of that. So um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful year for creating those home elements. Um, Year seven is about answers, knowledge. That's the year of mystics. Um, it's mm -hmm. the year of the psychics and, and all of that. It's when we really, a lot of people will find or explore their spirituality in a year seven. Oh. Um, seven is about being the seeker of deeper meaning and knowledge. So um, it's, a, it's a good year, but se the number seven and the characteristics of somebody who has a seven in their chart is you're very analytical, um, you're very directed and focused, um, not super warm and fuzzy. So mm -hmm. that's sort of um, what the seven is. The seven reminds me of the Hierophant card in tarot, mm -hmm. um, but also the Hermit. The eight year um, is about power and money, power and success, taking action, being self-made. It's all about sort of identifying all the areas of your life where you feel disempowered or where, and then turning them, flipping them, taking some action to actually straighten those 
or make them right in your life um, so that you are now working in an empowering, creative, forward-moving action. Um, and then as a result, that typically brings um, you face-to-face with either material wealth and success or the challenges that you have with your relationship with money and how that needs to be righted so that you can, you know, the eight year is, I think of it as, um, well, it's not that I think of it like the, what it is. It's like the infinity symbol, right? The Mm -hmm. eight is the infinity symbol. So what you put into it, you get out of it. Mm, Right. So that's like the other day when I was like, I don't want to go to yoga. I don't want to go to yoga. I just want to do something else. And then I was like, well, what you put into it, you get out of it. So if I put nothing into it, I get nothing out of it. So I made myself go. And of course then felt great. Okay. And then the last year of a nine year cycle is year nine. That's for um, finding peace, um, letting go, releasing, letting things just happen as is acceptance. A lot of people describe the year nine as a year of endings, but Mm. it's less about endings and more about letting things, letting everything fall fall where it may like you know in september the leaves turn you know beautiful shades and then fall from the trees and just letting things fall where they are because that's just setting you up for you know um that a brand new nine-year cycle of new beginnings with that one yeah yeah so again um, knowing your personal year is really 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 um it's a wonderful wonderful tool um, and how you can figure that out is super easy. So um, you just take the the universal year that you're in. So we're in a six universal year. And how you figure that out is we're in 2022. When you add two plus two plus two together, mm-hmm. you get six. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're in a six personal year. And you're going to take your birthday. Um, so the month plus the seven plus the six and then you add them all together one plus seven plus six this is my birthday you get one four that equals 14 and then you break that down to a single digit one and four is five and I am in a five personal year Hmm. yeah so you are um you'd be ten four six Uh uh-huh so what's that that's five and six is eleven oh okay so remember with master numbers Mm-hmm. you don't break it down. So you're in an 11-2 year. So you're in a master number year, which makes sense actually now knowing everything that's going on for you and that <laughs> has been going on. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so, sense, right? yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's how you figure out your master number. And that's why it's important to know what you're in. So if you would like a report of your year and then a five-year snapshot into your the next five years, um, watch for when I put those on sale um, and um, put them on my website and you can order them. Yes. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for giving me the space. All right, guys, um, you can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcast. And be sure to join our Facebook community, the Esoterics Community, where you will hear firsthand about all of our services, our events, our courses, um, all of our woo-friendly resources, energy updates, um, group-only pricing, and then we'll do some occasional card pulls and freebies and all that good stuff. Yep. You'll also find support and information on for developing your own spiritual and intuitive abilities as well as your daily practices. Thank you for inviting us into your life. Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next episode. Bye.
Yay. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye.